Jeremiah chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and uh, I'd like to look at this interaction, and I don't want to take long tonight. I want to be sensitive to that, but Jeremiah chapter 1, if you wouldn't mind standing, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Sometimes you, you preach a message or get a message ready, and you know what you want to say, and you're not really sure if it's going to come out right, and, and, and this has kind of been one of those, and, and, and yet I, this is the, what the Lord kept bringing me back to, and, and so this isn't a very, kind of like this morning, uh, maybe not a very missions-y message. Uh, maybe not the kind of message that you would think of when you think about a missions emphasis. And yet, in my estimation, uh, in, when it comes to missions, just like the girls just saying, uh, a, a very large part of missions is a willingness to say yes to anything that God asks of you. In many ways, uh, a missions month is preparing us for the moment of surrender. Because God has, has something in store for us, and He's got something that He wants for you, um, and yet you have to be ready for that moment, or you might miss it. And I think a lot of times that's what happens in a missions month. Um, it's amazing what God will speak to us about. Uh, when we're praying about missions, we're surrendering to everything, and then God does something in an unexpected way that we weren't thinking He would do. And maybe that's more of what we're looking at tonight. And so I just want to look at this interaction between the Lord and Jeremiah. Begin reading in verse 1. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh, the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, this is Jeremiah, came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God already has a plan for Jeremiah. And then said I, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak." Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant." And I love the way that God comes back when Jeremiah really wants to give some good excuses. Jeremiah wants to give excuses why he's not the guy. And God says, comes back and says, well, yeah, you're not the guy by yourself, but with me, you know, I can help, I'm going to help you be the guy. You know, listen, uh, you know, there, there will be times in our lives that we're called to do something that feels too big for us. And maybe it's for you, it's teaching a class or it's sharing the gospel with a coworker. And whatever it is, understand that God has a role for you to play in his kingdom work. Every disciple has a calling, but too many miss the moment because all they can see in the moment is their limitations. And there is a mindset that we can learn from this account between Jeremiah and, and God here, because let's face it, sometimes a missions emphasis month gets uncomfortable. 
And it may, be, it may not be that God is asking you to do something big. It may not be that he's asking you to go across the ocean. But sometimes there are things that he asks us on a small scale that get uncomfortable. And we're confronted with steps that God wants us to take. And sometimes it requires serious faith to, to say yes. And I would submit to you that Missions Month maybe at times ought to be relabeled Excuses Month. Because while God is speaking and God is working and God is getting you to the place that he wants you to be and, and he wants you to take some steps, all we can think of is all the reasons why it's not going to work. And our tendency is to make excuse after excuse when God asks for something difficult. But I just want to, this is the thought tonight, I could just say it and be done, but I'll expound on it a little bit. But we have to realize that an excuse used is an opportunity missed. An excuse used is an opportunity missed. Let's ask God to bless our time. Father, we pray for your help and your presence and just pray that you'd help this to come together in my mind and, and tonight for this service that you would use this to be a blessing and a help. And God, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word and help the power to be found in it. We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. An excuse used is an opportunity Miss. You know, there will be times where a moment comes along and it's your moment and you don't want to miss the moment. I remember I told a story about my sister this morning, so naturally I've got to tell one about Josh tonight. Um, I remember when we moved to uh, Wyoming, um, we went to, my dad was, uh, took a church there in Wyoming when I was, I think, 10 years old and Josh would have been about three years old. And uh, we moved from Texas to Wyoming and, uh, and that, was, that was preparing me, I think, for my current ministry, maybe. Um, but we, we, we went there and got there and went to a new school and, and had new friends and, or no friends, really, at the beginning. And, you know, just trying to feel your way through in a different place, in a different environment. And I remember one of my first couple of days there at school, um, there was really just one kid who kind of reached out to me. And, and so his name was Charles. And Charles was, you know, very friendly and trying to be my friend. And, and I thought, man, this kid's really nice. He's going to be my friend. And I've got a friend, you know, first thing. And, and, uh, and so a, a couple weeks later, I invited him over to uh, stay the night and, and, you know, just kind of hang out with our family and get to know our family. And at about, about an hour in, I realized why Charles was so quick to be friends with somebody. Because uh, Charles was one of the most unpleasant people I've ever been around. And so he targeted the new kid at school, you know. And I, I remember he was just, he was not very friendly and he was mean. He was disrespectful to my parents. And, and uh, the worst part about it, my brother Josh was about three years old and Charles uh, was just pushing his buttons the whole time, just bugging him. You know, he's about 10 years old and Josh is about three. And, and it didn't take Josh, I mean, even Josh at three was very discerning that Charles is not the kind of kid you want to hang out with. And, and so we were, you know, Josh was a pretty laid back kid, but everybody has a breaking point, you know? And so my brother had gotten a, a gift. He'd, somebody had given him one of those, you know, those big red plastic ball, uh, bats with the big white balls, you know, that every kid starts out with. Yeah, you know where this is going, right? 
So we were, we were in the living room and, and Charles was sitting on the couch with his head over the back of the couch. And he was just like making fun of us and not being very friendly. And I didn't realize, I didn't see out of the corner of my eye that my brother had gone and gotten his big red bat. So if you can just imagine Charles's face over the back of the couch and he's talking to me and I don't know what he's doing. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, I just see a giant red flash. And like slow motion, that bat comes across and hits Charles right across the face. Just, just the most glorious sound you've ever heard, you know? <laughs> Charles immediately, I mean, his nose started bleeding. He, he started crying and, and uh, you know, and, and my parents came out and, and Josh, uh, I'm pretty sure that Josh um, got, you know, a, a pretty good punishment from my parents. But I think in his little three-year-old mind, he was thinking, worth it. <laughs> Man, that felt good. I don't know. You know, there are two moments in my life that I've really, really loved and respected my brother. That was number one. And then number two was Friday when I met Jameson. So, you know, those two high points, you know. You know, I, see, I, and I, that's a funny story, but, you know, that's, Josh was, as a three-year-old, he's thinking, I don't want to miss my moment. And, and, you know, I know that's not, that's a silly story, but the truth is, is sometimes I wish that we were as serious about our moments, that, that we would take advantage of our moments when God comes along and says, here's an opportunity. See, a lot of times in, in, in a missions month, this will happen in that, that, you know, God comes and he speaks to us about something and we're as sensitive as we'll ever be in that moment. But because we're thinking about something else or because we don't see how it's going to work and we can't make it, we can't figure it out on paper, we miss our moment. And I, I want to deal with that thought tonight uh, in, a, in a simple way as much as I can that there are moments in your life that God is trying to get your attention and he's trying to take, help you to take a step of faith. But most of the time, unfortunately, we miss those moments because we're focused on work and we're focused on what we've got to do. And we're focused on these things. And God is saying, no, I want these things. And we're just so focused on something else that we miss those moments. I remember my, I've got family. We have family that lives in Santa Paula, California. And Santa Paula, California is in Ventura County in Southern California. And near downtown Santa Paula, there's a sculpture called The Warning. And it's a forged steel sculpture of two guys on motorcycles. And one's named Thornton Edwards. The other's name is Stanley Baker. And you don't really think much about it. It's just a sculpture of these guys riding motorcycles. And except if you stop and you read the inscription... Um, it, it describes the events of March 12th and 13th, 1928, when the St. Francis Dam, which is about 50 miles away from Santa Paula, collapsed in the middle of the night and sent a wave of water over 100 feet tall hurtling down the canyon towards Santa Paula. 
and it broke just before midnight, and, and one of the night operators there um, got a call from somebody at about 1.30 in the morning, and, and she immediately started calls, and her calls eventually reached the police station in Santa Paula, and that's when Thornton Edwards and Stanley Baker got on their motorcycles and started driving through the town of Santa Paula, honking their horns and blaring their sirens and to the low-lying areas, getting off their bikes and banging on doors and waking people up in the middle of the night. And these two men had no idea when that wave was going to come through the city, and yet they knew that hundreds and maybe thousands of people were at risk there in the middle of the night. And so they knocked and banged on doors and blared their sirens and woke up as many as they could. And it's estimated that that night over 600 people, probably many more, lost their lives. But many, many more would have, have those two men, not Thornton Edwards and Stanley Baker, not uh, answered their moment. And so they built this sculpture to them, and, 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 and rightfully so. These two guys put their lives on the line to go knock on doors. And, and I would submit to you that that's probably the biggest moment of their life. That was probably the most important moment. And they were able to, in that moment, rescue hundreds, probably thousands of people in the middle of the night. And yet, and so I'm thankful they answered the moment, but there are many more important moments for the child of God. And I'm not saying that a life isn't important, but there are souls in danger. There are people at risk and there are people that sit in darkness and don't even know the danger that they're in. And I just wonder if God is coming along and saying, this is your moment. This is the time that this person may not ever have another opportunity to hear the gospel and you work right next to them. This is your moment. And your neighbors, they're going to be moving in a few months and nobody else is ever going to care about them like you care about them. This is your moment. And your family, you don't know, uh, but maybe your family members that, uh, that you may not see many more times because they're getting up in years and somebody needs to tell them about Jesus Christ. And this is your moment. And God is, God very often, he sends these moments along. And if we're not careful, we'll miss them because we're thinking about other things. And we're not necessarily willing to put ourselves at risk to help somebody in a moment like that. Listen, the Great Commission was given to every disciple in every New Testament church. It wasn't just for missionaries, and it, it wasn't just for staff members, and it's not just for uh, pastors. If you're a disciple, you have a call, and God has a purpose for your life to engage in the gospel just like he did the, his disciples and just like even here with Jeremiah. He comes to Jeremiah, and he says, this is your moment. And I want you to be a voice for me. See, God had a purpose for Jeremiah's life. And the plan for Jeremiah's life is that he called him to be a voice in Jeremiah's generation. Verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God had a very specific plan for Jeremiah. He says, Before you were even born, I had a plan for your life. I have 
have a purpose for your life. And God told Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet for me. I want you to be a voice for me. You are to go and warn Judah about judgment. That means that Jeremiah was going to represent God in his generation. You could say that Jeremiah was going to be a voice for God. See, the problem was, though, even though this was God's purpose for Jeremiah, it doesn't mean it was going to be easy. Because Jeremiah lived in a wicked culture. He lived at a tough time. They didn't love God's word. They didn't want to hear God's word. I mean, from the kings down, from the very top down, it was a godless place. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? They didn't want to hear the warning. I mean, and when I think about the stories of, of Santa Paula that night, when those two men rode their motorcycles through town, uh, there were some that, that answered the door and they said, they said, there's a flood coming. And they would look up at the sky and see the stars and say, I don't see any rain clouds. And they went right back to bed. Now, that's, going, that's going to be how it is sometimes when we're trying to share the news. I mean, Brother Colin, uh, going to London, England, I mean, there will be plenty of people that are saying, I'm not worried about this. I mean, that happens in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It happens in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you're, you're warning and you're trying to answer the call and, and you're trying to be a voice for God and they're not, they're not most many aren't going to care. You know, and as if that wasn't hard enough for Jeremiah, he was a teenager I mean, here's a young man, a teenager. And so God calls a teenager and he says, I'm going to send you to this nation of backslidden adults and I want you to preach my messages to them. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, I bet that line at career day, that was a long line at school, you know, that day. You're going to go preach a message to backslidden adults who don't really care to hear it. And God says, I have a purpose for your life. You're going to be a voice for me in this generation. I picked you before you were born. And as good as that sounds, it doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. So God had a purpose for Jeremiah, but Jeremiah had a problem with God's plan. Look at verse 6. It says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. See, there's two hurdles immediately. The Lord, he says, Lord, there are two problems. Number one, I'm not, I've not experienced it public speaking. Number two, I'm a teenager. I'm a young man. You ever feel that way? That the Lord moves in you and he speaks to you and, and he's, he's asking something of you, but, but all you can see is the obstacles? I mean, our family a few years ago, it was in 2000, 2016, Brother Durrell and I were just talking about it because he had talked to the pastor that was there before me. It was in 2000, fall of 2016 that, that Pastor Spencer first called me. And he was looking to maybe hand, some, hand the church to someone and, and make a transition. Fall 2016, I wasn't thinking about Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So he calls me, he got my name from somebody, and I said, well, let me pray about it. And I prayed about it for basically about a day. And I said, well, I know what I'm going to tell him. I knew I wasn't, I wasn't time. So about a week later, I called him back and, and said, I don't think it's the right time. So Pastor Spencer, I think at some point in this process, he was talking to Pastor Durrell. So I guess I learned tonight that, hey, girls, if you want somebody to be mad at, don't be mad at me. Talk to Brother Durrell, okay? Because <laughs> Pastor Spencer and Pastor Durrell were talking, and he said, hey, if you think he's the guy, call him back. And Pastor Spencer did three times. And I, and I said, no, I don't think it's time. I mean, I'm thinking about Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And you know what I'm thinking? The first thing I'm thinking um, is it's too cold. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's just be honest. I mean, let's get real tonight. It's too cold. 
I said, it's also far away from my family. I mean, John Rochelle and Josh and, and Misty over here in Tulsa, my parents in Oklahoma City. I mean, that plays into your thinking. My kids are, uh, my oldest is about a year out from going to Bible college in Oklahoma. Why would I move from Oklahoma? And also, God, it's too cold. <laughs> I don't know anybody there. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I've never been there. We just, we built a house a few years ago in Stillwater. I mean, we don't, who wants to move out a house you built? I mean, there's blood, sweat, and tears and, and divorce papers somewhere, right? <laughs> My kids are at an important age and oh yeah, it's, it's, it's too cold. Okay. So that came up a lot, by the way. You know, there are times where God is asking you and the reason this is on my heart tonight is because I've been there in the last few years. And there will be times in your life that God is asking you to do something that feels too big. Right, Brother Colin and Callie? You were comfortable in Lubbock. Things were good. But there will be times that God comes along and he may not ask you to leave your home and he may not ask you to move across the ocean or into Siberia in English. But sometimes he's just asking you to give up. I mean, let's just be real. He's asking you to give up Netflix. Which wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, he, we had a young couple at our church in Stillwater. They'd just gotten saved. And at their first missions conference, they're standing up there giving a testimony and crying. And because God had really worked on them and they wanted to give to missions, but they're up there crying and blubbering and, and tears falling down their face because God had spoken to them about giving up Dr. Pepper and using their Dr. Pepper money so they could give to missions. And I'd say, praise the Lord, baby steps, right? And some of you are like, nah, I don't think so, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> No, no, there are times where God is coming along and he's asking, and this is a big part of missions, is that it's not like, it's not the uh, tr traditional, uh, yeah, always, hey, you're going to get called, and, and this, and, you know, these are, this is what it looks like when God comes speaking and God's working on your life. No, what, what my message to, to you tonight is, is whatever God asks of you the next week or two, whatever he says, no, no matter how big and no matter how small, just come with it, with this mindset to say, you know, I, I will say yes to everything. I mean, I mean because Jeremiah here, he, he does what a lot of us do. The Lord says, you know, I want you to go and I want you to do this hard thing. And Jeremiah says, but what about this? The Lord might tonight be telling you, I want you to increase your faith promise giving. And we say, but what about my bills? And he says, I want you to witness to your best friend. And you say, but I don't want to ruin the relationship. And tonight he might be saying, you, you need to say yes to me in this area. We immediately have a list of reasons why it's not going to work. Because you know what? We're good at excuses. And Jeremiah's immediate reaction was a problem with God's purpose for his life. He, he started using excuses why this plan isn't going to work. And that would be like Thornton Edwards and Stanley Baker that night in 1928 saying, well, all we have is motorcycles. What good is that going to do? But I would submit to you that the houses that they knocked on and those families got out, it made a difference to that family. 
And you might say, well, I'm, not, I'm just one person and I don't have a lot to offer. And yet you don't know what your one contribution to God's work, the difference it can make in one person's life. When that, listen, all you can sometimes always see is the obstacles. And that'll make you feel inadequate. Jeremiah's task was too big for him, by the way. Being a, more faith, I mean, being a more faithful witness, that is too big for you. Taking steps to surrender, that is too big. But God doesn't ask us to do it on our own. See, every task he calls us to, he gives us the grace for and he gives us the help for. See, understand, if you say yes to the excuse, you are saying no to the opportunity. And whatever God is asking of you during this missions month, it's going to feel difficult and it's going to feel like too much. And listen, your moment may be coming next week when you have the faith promise commitments. And it could be that the Lord has brought you to this place at this time in your life for this purpose. And if you focus on what he's asking of you, then you, it will seem too big. But I just want to just recommend that instead of focusing on the obstacle and instead of focusing on the excuses, don't forget that the Lord always gives us what what we need if he calls us to take a step. See, look what he, how he answers Jeremiah. And I'm skipping a couple things here. Look at verse 7. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. He, God says, no, it's okay that you don't have the words because I will give you the words. Verse 8, he says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Yes, their faces will be an excuse, but I'm on your side. I'm with you. Verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now I'm going to say it one more time. You can't speak, but I'm going to give you the words. In verse 10, he says, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. He says, This is a big job, but it's not yours to do in your own strength. I'm going to be with you. See, here's the thing. When God moves in your heart to take a step of faith, you can either focus on your excuses or you can focus on the opportunities. See, excuses keep people from all kinds of opportunities. Some people never teach because they don't like public speaking. Maybe that's what God wants you to surrender this week. Yeah, some people never grow because, they, honestly, aren't there excuses? You could use an excuse for just about, to miss just about any church service you wanted to. There's always a reason. I mean, I'm saying it's good, but there are people that use excuses. There are, some can go through an entire missions month without change because every move of God is blocked by another excuse. And, and listen, that new truck that you must have. No, listen, we, we say, well, I've got to have it. I need this. No, but there are times where, where God gives us a, a calling. He gives us a moving in our heart. And he says, I want you to take this step of faith. But you know, we've got a truck in mind. And we've got a vacation ahead and we've got these things on our hearts, but understand an excuse used is an opportunity missed. And this is Jeremiah's moment, and honestly, he has valid excuses. But Jeremiah decided that the opportunities to invest in eternity were greater than his excuses not to. I'm going to say that again. Jeremiah decided that his opportunities to invest in eternity were greater than his excuses not to. Listen, when it comes to missions, we have to recognize that what we gain saying yes to God is greater than what we'd lose saying no. 
Brother Colin, I, I'm just thankful you're here. He's going to be in our missions conference there, family, next month, and I'm excited about it. And God, Brother Colin had to come to the place in his life as a surrendered man of God to say, no, what I gain saying yes to God, I have to assume that's greater than what I'm going to lose saying no. Because there's a lot he's losing. He's leaving his home. He's leaving his family. And he's leaving Texas. Well, no, you're not losing a lot leaving Texas, but... No, but he had to come, you had to come to a place, right? And it was, a, it was a struggle, wasn't it? You come to a place, you say, here's what, if we just, if we say no, we get to keep all this. But if we say yes, what God might do. And you have to come to the place where you assume that saying yes to God is greater than what you're giving up in that moment. And Jeremiah could say no, but he'd lose out on an eternity, an opportunity to impact eternity. Jeremiah had to decide if he wanted to get involved in making an eternal difference in people's lives or not. And someday you're going to be faced with your moment. And when God is going to ask something of you greater than you think you can surrender to. And you're going to have plenty of excuses. But you also have an opportunity. And you have to decide which one matters the most. We have a young man, I was a youth pastor for a young man named Kalen Ricketson. And many of you may have heard his story. Grew up there in Stillwater in our church and I was his youth pastor. And I mean, he was the kind of kid that you want, I mean, you wish every kid in the youth group was just like. I just loved God. Uh, fully surrendered. When he was 14 years old, we were at camp and I got to pray with him that summer when he submitted his life. He said, God, I want to be a youth pastor. I want to give my life to serve God and, and, and I want to make a difference in my generation. He said those words. 14 years old, man, I was just so happy and so thankful for his spirit. As a 16-year-old, uh, I got a phone call one year over Christmas break. We were in California, and I get a call. It's Kalen, and I pick it up, and he says, Hey, Brother Jet, I just wanted to let you know that um, that, that spot that had been on my elbow for a while, I went and got it tested out, and they said it's cancer. So he had, I mean, he had, had a growing lump on his arm. And it would just kind of get, got bigger and bigger. And, he, you know, he was joking about it. But finally he just went in and got it tested. And sure enough, it was bone cancer, osteosarcoma. And I said, well, what are they going to do? Well, he said the first thing they're going to do is, is, is they're going to do surgery and remove it. And they're, we're going to start chemotherapy. And, you know, so he, that started a long journey for Kalen. Over 20 surgeries. They took out the bone here and replaced it. And then, and then the cancer had gone down the bone into his wrist. And they took that out and replaced that. And they replaced it again. And, and, and over, the, over the course of, uh, of this time, he had, I mean, dozens and dozens of chemotherapy treatments. But you know, one thing that I noticed about Kalen as he went through all this is that his desire to be in ministry never wavered. I mean, we would talk about it and he would just keep talking about Bible college. You know, I, 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 it was just, I mean, his, his focus on what the Lord had called him to was just unbelievable. I mean, as a teenager and, and I, I, so we had lots of conversations and, and, uh, lots of time together and, and the whole time he wanted nothing more. He said, I just want to go to Bible college. 
I just want to go to Bible college and I want to serve God. I want to train for the ministry and I want to be a youth pastor and I want to make a difference in my generation. His senior year, he had some other treatment options and, and yet they said, but it just keeps kind of coming back in your arm and we're going to have to figure out what to do with that. And we've got some treatment options, but, but you know, eventually it may come down to you needing to, to lose your arm. And he was left-handed, by the way, it's his dominant arm. So he, you know, he, he talked it over with his parents and, and they had, they visited about it. And he, Kaylin said, you know, I really want to go to Bible college. So I think I'm just going to have you take my arm right now. Because if I, if you take my arm right now, it's January and I'll have eight months to get used to living life with one arm. And then I can go to Bible college and I won't have to have people helping me with everything because I'll, I'll have lived with one arm. And, I, I, and he said, and, and also I, I want to learn to tie a tie. Guys, I don't know if you've ever done that with one arm. It's hard. I mean, some of you, we need to talk about your ties right now with two, arm, two arms, okay? Tying tie with one arm is really difficult. But he says, I want to learn to tie my tie with one arm. And he says, and I want shoes with, with laces because I want to learn to tie my shoes with one hand. So he practiced. He, he said, no, I, listen, I want to just take the arm now. I don't want it to hinder me because I want to serve God. I want to follow God. I want to be, I want to be a, a difference maker in my generation. So the doctors and his parents says, well, this is what he wants. And they, and they let him go ahead and do it. And the doctors took his arm and he started practicing. He's getting ready for Bible college. And, and he spent those months and he got ready for Bible college and he eventually went and he loved it. I mean, Caitlin with one arm, I mean, he excelled in school and, and every day he would tie his own shoes and every day he would tie his own tie with one arm. Got straight A's. That next March, it was COVID and they sent everybody home from his freshman year, but he was just, he could not wait to get back. But while he was home, the cancer came back. And they tried multiple treatments and they tried for a long time and, and just seemed like nothing was working. And, and Kaylin made it for about a year and a half. And on Labor Day last year, Kaylin went home to be with the Lord. Cancer took his life. And I was asked to say words at his funeral and I got to be there and it was just an incredible honor to be there and incredible, probably the greatest funeral I've been to. It was just joy, rejoicing and celebration. Now, see, here's the thing. Kalen was a teenager when he decided that cancer and one arm was not going to be an excuse. He was going to follow God. And he wasn't going to let cancer, something, something like cancer, he's not going to let that stop him from pursuing God's call on his life. He said, take my arm, I'll just get ready now because I don't want this to be a hindrance. And as a teenager, Kalen said, no, I'm going to say yes to the opportunities and I'm going to say no to the excuses. And for a short time, God used his life to impact his generation. Listen, my challenge to you tonight is this. What excuse, if, te if a teenager can say, take my arm because I don't want an excuse. 
If a teenager can say that to the Lord, then what excuse are you using? And, and what, what's God asking of you? What steps is God asking you to take? What steps of faith? I mean, what is, it, what is it the next step for you? I mean, listen, your moment is coming. The moment in which you, God says, this is the moment you're going to make the biggest difference. This is where I've brought you to, to be ready for this. And I want you to make a difference in your generation. Because listen, that's not just a teenager message. That's an adult message too. And God has you in this generation to make a difference. And he has you in your workplace to make a difference. And he has you at Eastland Baptist Church to make a difference. And he gives you the finances you have so you can make a difference. And he gives you influence here so you can make a difference. And I'm just asking you tonight, what excuses are you using to say no to God? Because I'm telling you, every time you use an excuse, you're missing an opportunity. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss my moment. And I don't know what my moment is. And I don't know when the moment that I'm going to make the biggest difference for the Lord. I don't know when that's going to be. But I'm telling you this, I want to be ready for it. And I want to, in that moment, be, be ready and willing to say no to my excuses so I can say yes to a God who wants to use me greater than I can ever be used in my own strength, just like Jeremiah. Jeremiah couldn't do any of this on his own. He said, I'm a teenager and I can't speak. And God said, I can take care of that. I just need you to stop using excuses and start saying yes to the opportunities. What excuses have you been using in your life to say no to God? What's holding you back? See, missions is not just about the gospel. Missions is not not just about giving. Missions is about your heart saying yes to God within everything he speaks to you about. You know, it's missions month. Will you decide tonight that no matter how valid your excuses are, you're going to choose to focus on the opportunities? It's missions month. Don't let it be excuses month. Because an excuse used is an opportunity missed. You know, and it makes me think of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus Christ had valid excuses. I say, I mean, I don't want to be trite about it, but didn't he have some things he, I mean, that he, in the garden? And he's saying, I mean, this is not something I want to do. I mean, physically speaking, Humanly speaking, this is not something that this body wants to endure. I mean, he could have used an excuse. But you know what he looked ahead and saw? He saw an opportunity. And that opportunity included the salvation of you and I. And it could be that every time you use an excuse, you miss an opportunity to make an eternal difference in somebody's life. So I'm just asking you today, who's going to miss out because of your excuses? And what opportunities are you going to miss because you're focused on all the reasons why not? Yeah, you have a God that says, no, it's all possible. If you'll just submit yourself to me, I can answer every one of your excuses. I can answer every one of your concerns. I can, I can answer every one of your limitations. I just need you to say yes to everything I'm asking you. Listen, if nothing else, this month is a month to say no excuses. No, no limitations. If God, just ask yourself this, listen, if God could do anything with me, 
what would I be willing to say yes to? If I knew that I could do something, I know Dr. Hardy has said this before, if I knew that I could do anything and not fail, what would I do? And tonight, maybe it's time for us to just come to the place where we say, God, forgive me for the excuses I've been making. Forgive me for the limitations I've been placing on you. Because you have something bigger planned for me. But I've been limiting you because of my own, in, in my own limitations. And yet we serve a God who has absolutely no limitations. I just want you to consider tonight who might miss out if you miss your moment. Tonight's the night to just say, Father, whatever. Think about the song the girl sang, here's my everything. Whatever you ask, whatever you say, however you lead, Father, whatever, here's my everything. I give you every part of me. I surrender. Lord, here's my everything. Would you tell that to the Lord tonight? Let's stand together.